Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I just wanted to make sure you were listening to podcasts on Spotify. Here's how you do it. First, search for your favorite podcast on Spotify's app. They have a library of over 750,000 pods at this point. So let's say you're searching for the Rewatchables or the Dave Chang Show or the Ringer NBA Show. Once you find them, click on the follow button. That's how you subscribe. Then click on those letters near the top of the app that say podcasts. All the pods you're following will pop up separated by episodes, downloads, and shows. Wait, it gets better. In Spotify, you can adjust the speed of the pods to seven different speeds. 0.5 times is the slowest. I actually sound drunk at 0.5. You can do 0.8 times, 1.2 times, which is my favorite. Everyone sounds like they just had a good cup of coffee. And then there's 1.5 times, two times. And if you're completely insane, three times. Anyway, Spotify's app connects directly to many of the best automobiles in the world. It even has a CarPlay feature that's pretty cool. Best of all, it's free. Download Spotify on any device and you're good to go. Should you be embarrassed that you're not listening to podcasts on Spotify? Well, I don't want to app shame you, but the answer, unfortunately, is yes. Make the move. Listen to podcasts on Spotify. All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Welcome, everyone. I hope you're home. I hope you're safe. We are doing a Rewatchables podcast with my hometown boys, my gurus of gambling, my wizards of wagering, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds, two-thirds of the degenerate trifecta, Brother Bry and Darren the Parlay Kid. What's happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? What's going on, buddy? We're going to know Harry this week because, well, you know what? We, we tried to do a video podcast last week, right, Jim? And Jim yeah. says... Jim, is that what the ambulance taking you away? What happened? Yeah, exactly. No, that was Harry. <laughs> oh, that was Harry. Right yeah. Yeah. We did a video <laughs> podcast. Harry wore a jacket and everything last week. We previewed, uh, we, we rewatched and then uh, and then went over the Cowboys Giants game, uh, 94. And then like no one watched. And I was like, all right, why are we doing it? Harry's wearing his best jacket. Maybe they just don't like looking at Harry. So we're, <laughs> we're audio only today. That's what we're doing. And we are going over the October 21st, 2000 game one Mets Yankees World Series. Oh boy. You know what? You know what's going to help this? We're going to have the great Al Leiter calling in a few minutes. He played for both teams. He got the nod as the Mets game one starter in 2000, the World Series. But Mets Yankees, obviously a big rivalry. Let me set the stage here. I am a gigantic Mets fan, the parlay kid, Darren and Brian, big Yankee fans. Um, you know, as far as their rivalry went, Parlay Kid, remember, like they had the Mayor's Trophies game in the seventies. Yep, absolutely. They would play. They'd play each other one day a year. It was on the. Uh, it was like an off day. I was very excited about. It. I feel like the Yankees whipped the Mets asses in that, and then the players were like, "Screw this, we're not doing this game. We get very few days off, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> we're taking this out of the rotation." Um, other than that, there wasn't a lot. Ninety-seven interleague play started. Um, Mets obviously won the World Series in 86. Before that, it was all Yankees. Uh, but even with the win in 86, we beat the Red Sox, who was the Yankees' rival. So this was big. This was a gigantic. Brother Bry, you were a little younger when this series happened, right? Yeah, I was actually, I was 20 years old. Um, I was a junior in college. Um, so obviously, this was still huge. This was apex for me as a Yankee fan. So I, I was actually, for game one, I was up in Syracuse for a Virginia Tech uh, accused game. Wow. Uh, my, Michael Vick was the quarterback, but uh, my best friend uh, snuck in one of those little like three inch Casio TVs with the antenna. So the whole time we did not watch 
the football game. We just paid attention to the baseball game. Everybody in our section around us wanted to know the score <laughs> updates. So it's funny, you know, that it's going in and out. You can barely, the one thing you could do is here the whole time, but you know, you could, it was right. like one of those colored three inch ones. So it wasn't, wasn't terrible, but, uh, that I only had to do with that for like the first four or five innings. Cause this was such a long game. So. All right, right. It was a long game. It was just shy of five hours. I got you beat, brother Bry. I watched on a five-inch Sony uh, <laughs> color TV. My wife, we were newly married. Her friend, one of her best friends was getting married in Milwaukee. I tried to explain to her like this. I, I don't think she understood baseball. Like, you don't understand. The Mets don't play the Yankees every year. They don't play them every 10 years. Like, this doesn't happen in the World Series. It's the turn of the century. I remember being excited. I was like, oh, maybe the Mets in, the, in this century, will maybe they'll make the World Series every year. I'm really excited. She's like, no, no, no. You're going to this wedding. I'm in this wedding. It was one of those weddings where the bridal party sat with the uh with the bride and groom and then their dates would have to scatter so i'm sitting at a table with people i didn't even know i had this tv this five inch tv under the table i'm watching the whole game she finally was like hey what's going on looks like there's a spaceship landed underneath your table i was like (laughs) i don't care i have to watch this uh that's game one parlay kid where were you were you home you you were battling with your older brother who was a mets fan right john John, yeah. big Mets fan. You know, you know the rivalry just in my household, Sal. How it was between yeah. my older brother John as a Mets fan and me as a Yankee fan. I mean, fist fights growing up about who was better. Uh, and I've, honestly, but the thing was, the Yankees were almost always better, right? Yeah. So uh, there really wasn't much uh, of an argument that John could have. But yeah, there was some pressure at this time. I'm 30 years old, and uh, I only have one kid. I can't. It's it's amazing to think uh, back that far at this point, but um, kind of seems like yeah. uh, yesterday at this point. So, uh, but yeah, it was um, uh, wh- a lot of pressure on the Yankee fans. I think going into this series, Sal, it was almost one of these things where the Yankees, uh, to me, uh, had to win. Right? They were going for the third in a row. Uh, I just felt a lot of pressure as a Yankee fan. I, I don't know why. Uh, they were coming off an 87-win season, but lots of pressure. Sal I hates ha- to hear I, this. I, I hate this, and we'll ask Al Leiter. <laughs> we'll ask Al Leiter about this later. But uh, I, I felt all the pressure in the world too as a Mets fan. We're always the younger brother, like you said. We're always getting kicked in the teeth. If ever there was a year we were going to do it, it was the, this Mets team. I really think was better. Yankees had 87 wins. They lost, I think, 15. Actually, 15 out of the last 18. Uh, they win the division, they beat out the Red Sox. I think the Mets lost yeah. the NL East by one game. They won the wild card by seven or eight. Uh, then they beat the Giants. I was at one of those games. Um, they beat the Cardinals. Yankees take uh, beat the A's and the Mariners. It's funny. I went with my friend Jimmy Brusca. We went to the Mets-Giants game. Uh, Benitez closes the Giants out. The Mets win. We take the BART to the A's game. Now we're wearing all Met paraphernalia and that A's stadium, brother Brian, you were there just a few months ago as a, uh, for the Raiders. It was, right. I can't believe like if, if playoff seats were like $60 back then, I, I don't believe any of these people were able to afford getting in there. I mean, they, they I got <laughs> death threats throughout the three hours. I'm like, no, 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 I'm rooting for the A's. I promise I hate the Yankees, but because I was wearing Mets gear, no one wanted to hear it. Anyway, here we are game one. Uh, the Yankees are favored in the series. They're a minus 140 favorite. 
Uh, I didn't even think of touching it, betting it. Bri, you didn't bet it right back then. This was, there was just too much on the line at that point. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think at that point, I mean, like nowadays, I'd probably still, I'd, I'd bet the Yankees in the World Series just to bet it. Um, but back then, I, I wasn't, even though I was betting a little bit in college, I wasn't going to bet a Yankee game. I wasn't going to touch it, especially this series against the Mets. There was too much riding on, riding on it anyway. Yeah, there you go. And the over-under season total wins. Uh, Yankees were 96 and a half, so they, like I said, went under with 87. Yeah. Mets were 90 and a half. Um, so there you go. So it was exciting. Here we are, game one. I'm watching Milwaukee at a wedding, uh, looking at the first pitches. You know, here's how much I, I dislike the Yankees. We had, I was looking at, you know, because there's just so much to to not do and do now these days. I'm looking online at the best Mets first pitches and one of the first pitches, the best Met first pitches, they show Mariano Rivera throwing to John Franco. Rivera, that's when he was on his... I was like, I don't want to see this. I don't even care. I have nothing against Mariano Rivera, but I hate that a Yankee is thrust into that. And then there you go. Game one, Yogi Berra catches Darn Larson. It was, uh, you know, it had been many, many years since that yeah. perfect game in game five and uh, 56. So that's a good way to start game one. You got Buck, you got McCarver, you got Brenly. Game one, Pettit, Lighter. What else you wanted to say about this game, uh, Parlay Kid, the early on? Yeah, so the game starts off, right? Don Larson throws out the first pitch to Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra actually misses the misses the ball. So I don't know if you if you noticed yeah, that. Thought on it, the, uh, thought it was an omen, right? Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. It was like, here we go. This is not good. You feel bad for the guy. Pitch was a little low. Um, you know, and a couple side notes to this is, you know, uh, here, here is Keith Oberman in the pregame calling this baseball Armageddon, right. right? Baseball Armageddon. And, you know, we're here in New York. That's how we feel. But I really wonder how the rest of the country felt. Like, were they right. like, we could care less about this, what's going on. But it was pandemonium here uh, in New York. A couple of little things going on. Uh, you know, you have Joe Torre versus Bobby Valentine. 1979, uh, Joe Torre uh, cut Bobby Valentine as his uh, last cut from mm -hmm. the Met team. So... Might have been a little bit of bad blood there. The Mets were a little cocky. Benny Agbayani, uh went on Howard Stern, said they would win in five. Mm -hmm. uh, the Yankees kept a very low profile business as usual, Sal. There you go. Well, I that's have a, true. Go I have ahead, a feeling bro. I have a feeling Parley Kid could talk about this for 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> I, and here's the thing, and, and he, give McCarver credit because right away when the game first starts, he notes that the really only change the Yankees have made is Vizcaino's in at second base yeah. to Chuck Knobloch, who's going to DH because Vizcaino's numbers against Al Leiter are phenomenal. He's 10 for 19 career versus Al Leiter at this time. So, and I think uh, he ended up, uh, yeah, man, he, what did he, did he have three or four hits in this game? I think he had three hits four, going four to for last, six. last yeah, at bat. Right. Six. He had four yeah. hits. So it's Pettit and Leiter, two lefties in the lineup for the Mets for Pettit to feast on. Although Pettit, they show. 0-1-18 ERA at Yankee Stadium in World Series. Uh, a couple other notes. Timo Perez is 23 years old, rookie year for the Mets. They show Alfonso versus uh, uh, Jeter since 97 for the three years. Pretty similar stats. Mm -hmm. um, Mets go in order. McCarver talks about Leiter having the most dominant cut fastball in the majors. Um, then the Yankees go in order. A lot of... Uh, Brother Brian, a lot of like inside pitches, a lot of like uh, dribblers out to the mound, like batters get, I don't know if they, it was nerves or whatever, but they were getting like a little, little jammed up in the beginning, right? Uh, yeah, well, that was basically definitely off of those cut fastballs that Pettit and uh, Leiter mm -hmm. were throwing there. 
Uh, yeah. But Sal, I was going to ask you though, when I first started listening, when I went back and listened to it, McCarver, it's, I felt like a lot of people back in the day didn't like McCarver, but there's definitely, when you hear his voice, like it, it brought me back to being a kid listening to these games. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, you got that feeling where I felt like I was like eight years old again, listening to baseball, which was really exciting back then. I don't well, know if yeah. that's how you guys felt. I, I think you're right. It. And you know, it's funny, Paula kid, maybe you felt that way the week before when we listened back to Madden and Summerall right. called the Giants Cowboys game. I wasn't a huge Madden fan towards the end. I didn't feel like we were lear- learning anything. It was just nice to hear the voice. It was nice to hear the voice. And don't forget Absolutely. McCarver. McCarver was the Mets announcer. So I got 162 games at him. I thought sometimes he was overbearing. I thought he did a great job though uh, with this particular game. But yeah, like you said, um, not a lot going on. Uh, Tino gets a single in the second. That's the first Yankee hit. O'Neill singles. Um, Pettit. And now, now the crowd, and they cut away to the crowd, which this is what I'm going to miss in baseball if they don't go to crowds. Valentine blowing a bubble. Pettit with a death stare in the dugout. And then just women and men alike just biting their fingernails. And we're in the second inning. Uh, another dribbler by Brocious gets out uh, to first. He and Zeal collide. They get out of the second. Uh, third inning, uh, the highlight to me is the, the Fox shows Jimmy Kimmel show uh, tune in Sunday to hear Jimmy Kimmel's thoughts on the Subway series. As a long suffering Mets fan, I have baseball on the brain and a few things to say about the World Series. Now, I know a lot of you hate New York and probably don't care who wins as long as they birdie to the ground afterwards. But if you're undecided, I want to give you a few reasons why I think you should root for the Mets. Number one, the Yankees always win. Three out of the last four years. The last time the Mets were even in it was 1986. Rooting for the Yankees to win another World Series is like rooting for Howie to get another Radio Shack commercial. Enough already. Interesting note here. So Jimmy points out that don't get mad at me, Yankee fans. So we, I went to games three, four, and five with Jimmy at Shea. Um, yep. We took the seven coming back to Manhattan. Sure. Nagel was on one of the trains. And he got the whole uh, train to to turn on Jimmy at the time for picking the Mets. That was uh, that's an interesting side note. You're not going to see that in the box score anymore. But um, that was that. Uh, Knobloch gets picked off in the third. Piazza gets picked off in the fourth. Ugh. Both teams have two hits through four. What are you thinking right now, Parley kid? Very, very low well, scoring. Well, you're thinking how on. bad the base running is at this point, and that's just foreshadowing what's the worst is yeah, still yet to, to come. Uh, the base running yeah. is terrible. Uh, one thing you are seeing here, and as we as we go through the game uh, a little bit, uh, the Mets were getting their leadoff batter on uh, quite often, if I felt like. Um, so they, mm-hmm. they seem to have like something going every inning, at least early in the game. I think that tailed off later in the game. But I think something like it was like five straight innings where their leadoff batter was on. From the second to the sixth, I think the leadoff batter it's was something on. Something like that, exactly. So the Mets always were threatening. But, you know, we knew Pettit was, uh, if you watch Pettit long enough, he was he was fantastic about, uh, you know, keeping runners at bay and, um, yeah. and, 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 and you know, not letting him score. He, guys got on against Pettit, but he was he was fantastic, uh, keeping him close to first, et cetera. And you know, it picks off Piazza, right? So uh, that was that was just against cool. lefties in general. It's tough to get a good lead on first, but Pettit was phenomenal. I think he had forty two pickoffs oh, in, best in five years seen. or something. Yep. They said really, really good. Uh, Agbayani gets a hit in the fifth. Not much going. Pratt gets struck out. Looking sixth. Yeah, like you said, the Mets lead off Perez with a single, and then uh, Zeal. Two outs, 0-2. Oh. He goes deep, and there it is off the top of the wall. 
left field. I mean, it was an inch away from being a home run. Timo yeah. Perez gets caught staring at the ball and is is thrown out at the plate. Brother Bry, that a turning point for sure. It would have been nice for the Mets to get the runs there. Right? Uh, yeah, for for you guys for sure. Uh, it's funny <laughs> what, watching the highlights. Bat, or I mean, I saw this game a million times, but even when it's when I'm going back watching it, it's almost like when Zeal hits that ball, I'm like, oh shit. It was two nothing Mets uh, that went yeah. out, and it's like, oh wait, this is, this is the play. But what does not come across that well on that play was that throw by Jeter. Even though Timo Perez basically stopped at second, um, I I can only imagine as a Met fan how pissed off you would be at the guy. But because oh. it's an automatic run, it's an automatic run. But yeah. Besides that point, though, I mean, it was a bang bang play at the plate. But the throw by Jeter, Jeter is literally like falling. I mean, it's a deep throw, kind of behind third base he's falling toward the line but is able to throw back kind of against his body throws a perfect strike i mean they mm -hmm. don't even on the replay they don't even show the jeter throw until the replay like later on in like the ninth inning or something so i to me that was i mean yeah. such an unbelievable throw by jeter but it got really no attention because it was such a bad play by perez right sure i mean this is where i like to bring harry on a, a, a notorious <laughs> Notorious <laughs> cheater hater yeah. to uh, it was to amazing tear, tear it apart. It was a good throw. It kind of had to be perfect. You just I watched the replay. I'm like, oh, would they have replayed this? Did he get his foot on? Right. He was out. They would have sure, replayed the home run ball and the play at the plate. Yeah, probably right. Right. Yep. Exactly. So then the Yankees come up in the bottom of the inning. Viscaino singles. Jeter walks. Justice two run double. Uh, Lighter had been per. He had been really good. Really controlling the game at that point. He gets a second out. Pitching coach comes out. Uh, this, first of all, there's no, you can't see the pitch count. That's the one thing I miss graphically, you know, sure. I just feel like we're going Blake could have 120. I think they only had two hits. The Yankees going into that inning. So, you knew it wasn't going to be that many, but he could have 60 pitches or 120. I'm glad they Fox added that and all the networks to their telecast. But anyway, lighter gets out of the inning. We go to the seventh, uh, Bubba Trammell comes on with Peyton and Pratt on seven for 18 against Andy Pettit roll ropes, a single yep. to, uh, tie the game. Now Jeff Nelson is in, um, and then uh, they get out of that inning, right? Kurt Abbott That's right. replaces uh, Bordick at short. What are you thinking right now, Parley Kid? Game's tied. Yeah, you're a little concerned as a Yankee fan. Uh, give the Mets credit for showing some resiliency there, bouncing back after the Yankees took uh, the 2 nothing lead after the uh, Timo Perez disaster. By the way, if I'm coaching a middle school baseball team and Timo Perez does that, I yank him out of the game, right? He's out. Like it's it's hard to right. believe a major league player would do that. It's terrible. But Yankees, you know, so it's two two, right? And and the one thing I'm feeling good about here, and this was a Yankee constant and still a Yankee constant, is I know how good their bullpen is, right? So mm -hmm. uh, it's two two, and I'm like, hey, this this Yankee bullpen is is, is dynamite. Nelson, Stanton, Rivera, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel pretty good right now, Sal. Even at two two, yeah. So Alfonso slow roll to Brocious. He bare hands, safe. Uh, they take the lead. Piazza flies out. And then uh, we see Turk Wendell throwing, but Leiter uh, is in a little trouble. I think Brocious gets a single with one out in the seventh. And then Leiter fans knob block to end the inning. And Mets go in order in the eighth. We see John Franco. Uh, Yankees go down. So now the Mets have a lead in the ninth. Now, now you're not feeling so good, Brother Bry. Uh, well, it's funny. I'm not feeling good, but going into the eighth, it's funny. You have Franco coming in and then Benitez, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm not, 
I'm feeling okay that there's a chance we can get the one run. But after um, after he gets Posada, I believe, out, I think Posada flew out to deep center, and then you get the O'Neal at bat, right, against Benitez, uh, right. which was just that crazy 10-pitch at bat walk by Paul O'Neill where he's just yeah. – O'Neill hadn't been playing it well for a while in that part of the season. He had been injuring. He's just slapping the ball – to left, you know, into the stands every time, uh, keeping it alive. Mm-hmm. So um, once O'Neill though draws that walk, I am feeling good. I I, yeah. I I just get the sense that maybe something's going to turn here. Sure. I I mean I, it's funny when he draws that walk, you just see lighters. I think his head goes into his hands in the dugout. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just you could you do tell maybe that he he even knows that all it takes for Benitez is just just one bad pitch and it kind of blows up for him. So I, I think you at that point probably were getting a yeah, little nervous. Yeah, it was right? terrible. <laughs> and Vizcaino uh, singles and now and now you're tied in the ninth. Like this is what the Mets do. They did it in 2015 against the Royals. They blow game one. They blow a save and there you go. Now we're tied going into extra innings. Parley kid, you feel like you have the advantage right now. If you could live bet this at minus 190 Yankees, you would do it. That's yeah. exactly what you're doing, Sal, right? So... <laughs> Yeah, exactly what Brian's saying. What a what a crazy way for the Yankees to tie it up. And give McCarver credit, by the way, in the bottom of the ninth there, um, when Luis Polonia pinch hits, McCarver's prophetic in saying, smart move by Torrey here because you have Canseco and Glenn Allen Hill on the bench, but with the runner on first, the whole right side of the infield is opened up, uh, and Polonia's a good low ball hitter, and sure enough, he wraps a single there. Um and you know when Wallace was as when Wallace comes out before that, by the way, do you notice how Fox shows a montage of Benitez uh, and his playoff disasters? Did you notice? Right. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. It was pretty brutal. Uh, Yankees go into extra innings. Uh, we got Mo here still pitching, uh, and we still have Stanton to back him up. So we feel pretty good. By the way, now it's past midnight in New York when the 10th inning starts, which means it's past 11 in Milwaukee, and we're at it. So now I have to say everyone goodbye to everyone with this thing hanging around my neck, this TV, <laughs> as we exit this uh, this uh, wedding with my wife all dolled up and furious at me as we head back to the hotel. But uh, not a ton goes on in these uh, extra innings. They intentionally walk Posada. Uh, O'Neal hits into a double play, slams his helmet. You, you love you loved that uh that rage out of O'Neill. You love the fire yeah. out of uh, Paul O'Neill for sure. Um, Mets, I think, go one, two, three in the 11th. Uh, McEwing flies out. Peyton grounds. Yeah. And then uh, Glendon Rush is in the 11th. Actually, the Mets get out of a couple innings there. They, they, yes, uh, they did. The, you know, the, the Yankees had runners on. That's why I had a little hope. The Yankees had a runner on third in the 10th, runner on third in the 11th. Uh, Mets get out of it. And now it's the 12th and Dwight Gooden is warming up in the bullpen. So I do feel good about it again. Uh, Mets go one, two, three, and then Bry. I mean, then it's just over, right? 12th inning. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The Mets in extra innings didn't have a base runner, right? 10th, 11th, and 12th. The Yankees, uh, I thought after the Yankees blew it in the uh, 10th, I remember I got into a big blowout um, at the hotel with Mary Kate after uh, after (laughs) O'Neal grounded into the double play. Um, but yeah, in the, in the 12th, um, Posada lines that double right into right center. Uh, yep. I, I think o- Martinez gets a hit Posada lines it to right center yeah. O'Neal. They intentionally walk. Then Soho comes up and all he has to do is hit a fly ball. He pops out to Pratt. So 
right, right. there. Now I'm like, oh, well, shit, this, this is against Wendell at that point in time. So um, I don't want to get to the 13th. We can't go three innings in a row to have an, a chance to score. So now Vizcaino comes up again and uh, slaps first pitch to left field. Uh, the same, basically the same base that he had in the ninth inning too. Uh, so he was definitely the hero of this game. Um, I can still, you know, you could hear Buck's voice, right? I think he's like, Vizcaino base hit left field. Yankees win game one. It was very simple. That's it. And uh, it was uh, that I really think, I mean, I'm sure later I'll talk about it after, but I do think that game one psychologically, whoever won that game was definitely going to have an advantage for the rest of the series. I hate saying that as a Yankee fan, thinking we might've lost that if we lost that game one, but that's kind of how I felt. Yeah, I did too. And this guy, I know former Met, you know, played 73 games with the Yankees and then that was it. Never again. They sent them to the Astros. Right. Uh, uh, first pitch single. That was that. Very sad. Let's give out <laughs> awards. I, I feel the same way. I I've actually feel the same way. I think like, you know, that changes the complexity, the complexion of the game of the series. You win game one, you know, then you got three in the middle after game two. Uh, we'll get back to the rest of the series in a minute. Let's give awards out. I think they do that on these rewatchable podcasts. Um, best SNL sketch without an ending for an at bat. I, I agree with you, Bri. Paul O'Neill in the seventh. It was actually yeah. an 11 pitch at bat. And one of the balls he fouls off in foul territory, Ooh. Zeal, it's like a row and a half. Into oh, yeah, the stands. that's right. For Ventura, right? Ventura just misses yeah, it. Yeah, Ventura just gets, um, almost gets it there. Yep. And uh, damn it, that would have been yeah. that would have been two out in the ninth. Nobody on. Sure. Unsung hero, parlay kid, who's the Roy Hobbs? Is it Vizcaino? I mean, I feel, again, like he stuck it to his old team. Yeah, I mean, the, you know what? I would like John to say McCain he's the unsung down. hero, but I think that that almost would be uh, too clear cut here right like right like in terms of he was the hero of that game so i don't think he's the unsung hero uh this could be a tough one um part of me just says that that o'neill a bat even you could even say that was an unsung hero because you know o'neill had one extra base hit since september yeah. 6th so he wow. he was really hurting but i think i'm gonna say sal right there uh let's give the unsung hero award and i think this could go for the whole series and mike stanton uh pitched two perfect yeah. innings late he actually Pitched to 13 batters in the entire series, retired all 13, and was 2-0 in the series. So I'll give him the unsung hero for that game and for the series as well. There you go. Uh, Bob Uecker, excellence in announcing a war. I, I thought McCarver was solid all the way through, brought up good points, uh, lefty-righty matchups, everything. Told you what you needed to know. Uh, good job by him. Joe Buck, good too. Just, just, you know, just solid all the way through. Bob Brenly, by the way, the third guy in the booth, Comes back the next year to beat the Yankees, right? As a manager of the uh, of the Diamondbacks. I know that that was the very that's mm, what, that was the very next. That's year. what was crazy, right? Seeing that the next year, just and they they just said I think he before that game one he was just like just finished up an interview with the Diamondbacks. I think right before that game one, so that's kind of uh, fitting what happened right. there. Uh, yep, Buckner bonehead moment has to go to Timo Perez on the base paths. Um, Shoeless Joe Field of Dreams Award he disappeared into the cornfield, never to return. <laughs> Luis Polonia, I think, 13 years. He had 13 years, never played again after this. 293 career average. Um, led the league and caught stealings <laughs> uh, three years in a row. Played for six teams. So that was it for that's not good. Polonia, <laughs> no, I don't think that's good. I think he did have like 53 stolen bases one of those years. Brother Bright, you have somebody yeah, else. Yeah, well, right? I had I had Agbayani because it's funny watching that series. To me, mm -hmm. I feel like Agbayani, uh, 
I thought Alfonso and Piazza were like, I mean, especially that game one, I, for some reason, didn't worry about those guys. I didn't really worry about Alfonso much in that series, but I felt like Agbayani and Peyton were, I worried the shit out when they were up and Agbayani, especially, I felt like he was killing them. I think he was on like a, I think he had a 11 straight postseason games with a hit um, after that game one, but I don't, he just, he vanished off the face of the earth. I think he had like one more season with the Mets and he was, and it was awful. I just don't know what the hell happened to him. I, maybe he just didn't have the body type for right. it. I don't yeah. know. It caught up to him. <laughs> the number 50 <laughs> uh, representing Hawaii proudly, right. but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what became of him. Uh, the Dankinger moment umpire boner call. I don't, I don't think there was any, I thought lighter was squeezed a little in the six, but no real bad calls. Right. It's kind of refreshing. Not have to see replay yeah. or uh, anything. Point. Right. Probably kid. Yeah. yeah. So I agree with that. It's amazing. And um, they weren't using the uh, strike zone box either. Right. Correct. Right. That's true. So mm-hmm. it's almost like, I wonder if that just leads to a lot more problems when you watch games with, with that, with that K zone, you know, uh, because we didn't really watching this game again. It wasn't often where we were like, Oh wow, he really he really missed that pitch. The umpire they they seem to be on right. almost every call. It was a very well called game. There you go. Uh, celebrity cutaway ah. of the night. I say J Lo and and Buck says Puffy Combs. I was like, what is that? Was he ever called Puffy Combs? Like, oh yeah, that was like six names ago. It was Puffy Combs. It was it Sean Puffy Combs? Whatever. Well, uh, J Lo and Puffy Combs. You guys have a different. Well, there was so many. Well, of them. yeah, I think it was like the eleventh inning, Sal and. Uh, Rare, right. you know, rare. You know how it is out in LA. So they're gone. They're coming the third. They're out by the fifth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the New York celebrities. You know, you have. You actually had your buddy Tom Cruise, uh, J Lo, right. and Matthew Broderick. They showed him in the eleventh inning, hanging strong right. there. I mean, that game went past one o'clock. Yep. Uh, Billy Crystal was there. Billy Joel. They showed them earlier, right, Bry? I'm trying to think who else. Yeah, it was uh, Nick Jack Nicholson. But I think the best was probably Ali McBeal. Probably. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They had, <laughs> they had to promote Ali McBeal. McBeal and was uh, Calista, right, Calista Flockhart. Flockhart. Sorry. So the rest of the series, you know, that was the 13th straight World Series win for the Yankees. A game that's insane. The next game, game two. Uh, my wife has to work Monday. I'm like, I'm not missing football and I'm not missing this game. We were supposed to schedule to fly home the middle of the afternoon. I'm like, I'm staying in Milwaukee, even though this is your town. This is where you're from. I'm going to stay in a hotel by myself and watch this game. And I did. The Mets were down six, nothing. It goes to six, five. Uh, oh my God. Clemens, the, uh, uh, Piazza's bat breaks. Clemens picks it up, throws it at him. Yeah. And nothing really happened. I got to ask Piazza about this. He's like, I had no idea what was going on. I turned around for a second and then I turned back and I have this bat at me and everyone's like, whoa, like they're expecting a brawl. He's like, I honestly didn't see it because I would have thought that's an insane uh, thing for someone to do there. So I don't know uh, uh, that game two, three, four and five. I saw it. Shay actually peed all over myself at a urinal uh, because I had a hernia issue. That's right. And that's right. My cousin's my cousin, Jimmy's like, oh, we got to take you to the hospital. I was like, bullshit. I got to watch these games. And that was it. That game five, they lost. And, uh, you know, Piazza hits one to the warning track with two out in the ninth and everyone got excited. And I was like, Bernie Williams is circling onto this. I'm getting the hell out of here. And I ran to the seven train because I didn't want to deal with anybody. And then I realized I had, to, I had to wait for everyone I was with. So it didn't really matter. Um, but that was that. You guys have anything else to say about this terrible series? 
Uh, well, I was just going to say, it's funny when you go back in this series after that, it's really game one and obviously game two with the Clement situation sticks in your mind. But as a Yankee fan, you're like, all right, we won that game in five. We didn't really have to even think about it. Then you go back and you're like, Jesus Christ, yeah. every game yep. was close. Yeah. You almost you almost no, I, forget really how sure. every game was close. You forget it game five, um, all these games. And I was just like, I assumed going back, I was like, I thought we blew them out in one game, but. That was game two, which came close. So it's funny how it works out. Wasn't that funny? Was. But uh, the Mets Royals, Mets Royals was the same way. If you look at it, just a, it looks like a domination. But most games were close. Right? To, oh, you're yeah. right. Poor Mets. Poor Mets. Oh, man. All right, enough. I'm depressed. I don't know why we have to depress ourselves further. But Yankee fans win again. Yankees win in five games. Blah blah blah. They're the best. That brings us. To our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino, where each week the Degenerate Trifecta and I set sail tackling pretend propositions related to sports and pop culture events. Uh, We don't know. Sports. Is there any sports left coming back? I don't know. But baseball has a plan. At least there are some rumblings about how they're going to play all these games in Arizona, quarantine the whole league, get everyone away from their families. I can't imagine this happening. I pray, I pray it comes back in some sort of semblance, something. But uh, the captain said, hey, why don't we make a fun uh, betting game out of this? Let's figure out what is the best plan for baseball in 2020. Is it that they play all the games in Arizona as is being proposed, five to two odds, uh, wait it out and see if you could start a half season and begin in July, four to one odds, cancel the season altogether, God forbid. Nine to two odds or the field. Is there another option that no one's thought of at even odds? Uh, Parley kid, let's start with you. What's the best option for baseball in 2020? Well, I think the best option at this point, Sal, for me, and just think of the fun we would all have if they were playing games in Arizona. Triple headers. And you know what's in Arizona, Sal, right? <laughs> Our buddy Harry, Harry. For now. Can you yeah, imagine right. the stalking? That would take place <laughs> with all these baseball teams in Arizona yep. and Harry unleashed upon these uh, gentlemen. It would be unprecedented. Yep. Uh, I would love to see that. Uh, I know it would make Harry's uh, make the rest of his life. I think Sal, if this happens. So <laughs> that's what I'm rooting for. And plus Sal, I let's get back to some normalcy. I would love to, to watch a little baseball right now. Give anything. Yeah. Even with nobody in the stands, let's hope we can bring those triple headers to Arizona. And uh, I, for one, would be in favor of that. So let's take that. I agree. At five to two. All right. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, if the games, if there's not going to be fans, you're not going to have games with fans anyway. What does it matter if you're staring at Yankee Stadium at City Field or Fenway Park or what? Right. Just get the Correct. games going. I will say this about Harry real quick. Um, this will go. And there you go. As soon as we mention him, we hear the ambulances. But, <laughs> but every time we say is that <laughs> every single time. But Harry um, typically uh, moves his bowels in the police station. I think he would have a permanent residence in the police station if you had all those teams there, Parley Kid. To what you were speaking about, the stalking, uh, it would take two and a half days before they arrested him. They cuffed him and sent him off to uh, the local jail. All right, Brother Bry, what do you think? What's the best option? Um, yeah, I know you could, they would, Harry wouldn't be allowed within like 25 miles of that <laughs> stadium. But, um, I would say, you know, it's funny for as much as I've always wanted like a baseball season to be like, in all honesty, I always wanted baseball to be like 120 games, a hundred games. And then there's the playoffs. Uh, 
I do feel like it's a little too long. But that being said, um, starting on July 1st, if you were to do that, like you said, I think all these games would end up being in empty stadiums anyway. So if that's the if that's the case and it's empty stadiums, you might as and you're going to try and do that. You might as well just put it in one place yeah. with no fans anyway. Uh, well, give us something to watch. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm hoping there's a better solution to this. I know it's grim. How is that going to look anyway? Like where are all these guys going to stay? Are they going to stay at Harry's house? I have no, I like what's going to happen. I know what could the Dykstra's already in Harry's. I don't know if they're run, they're running out of room there, but um, yeah, I would like to see Arizona. I also wouldn't mind a half season if they could figure it out, but here, here's what I would say. Here's the answer guys. I'm taking the field wiffle ball. Take your best three hitters. Oh. Take your best two pitchers. You got a full season. Everybody could be spread out 6, 10, 20 feet apart. Mm. Imagine that, Parley Kid. Judge, Stanton, Torres uh, batting with the wiffle ball. Chapman and Cole are your pitchers. For the Mets, Alonzo, uh, Conforto, even Cespedes. Nice. So the wiffle ball bat can't hurt us. Yeah. The Grom and Diaz. Why not that? Do the 116 to 62 games. Yeah. You play three games maybe a day. Maybe they can make like that way. Yeah, maybe they can make like little miniature stadiums of each stadium. Yeah, yeah. do it. Great Spread idea. everything out. I and then it. and then you come back in October when everything's safe, God willing, and you play the actual World Series. Whoever made it, then the full teams take the field. What 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 fun that would be. Jim, do you have a, a solution here? Yeah, I like the wiffle ball. I also was thinking the field. You ever see the movie um A League of Their Own? Sure. That's about World War II. It like shut down oh, yeah. baseball. And then they started a women's league. We could do that. Okay. Women's baseball. <laughs> just to, <laughs> the women risk their lives. Yeah. I think it was a different thing. Yeah. The, the war was overseas at that point, Jim. Here the war is everywhere. All right. I, I know what you're saying. Potato, potato. All right. Hey, that's another week of Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you look like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. All right. Hang in there. Is on the line right now. Game one starter for the Mets, Al Leiter. All right, we have a great treat right now on the line. Starting pitcher for the Mets in this game one, the one we just broke down. It's a two-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, MLB Network studio analyst, the great Al Leiter. Al, thanks for coming on against all odds, buddy. I'm glad to be here with you guys. How you doing? Good. I, I'm on first to ask you, how are you holding up during these uh, weird, weird times? How's the family? Yeah. So listen, I'm doing what everybody else is doing, right? So my, uh, my kids are home or the ones that were working. Uh, I live in New Jersey and uh, they were in the city. And my son, who's a freshman uh, baseball player in college, he came home. And so like we're all hunkered down. Yeah, we're, we're uh, I'm taking a lot of walks. I've been yeah. riding the bike and I've been playing more board games that would make anybody bored. It's weird with the board games because you have them and you figure, all right, I'll never use these, but it's, you know, it's like a, a, a encyclopedias. You just figure it's nice to have. And then this is it. Now I'm just, I'm playing Uno all day with a six-year-old. I'm going insane. What are, what are some board games you have? <laughs> uh, well, so we've been wearing out Blockus. I'll have to uh, admit, and uh, gosh, I, I don't know the names or some like cooler uh, board games. Uh, my one daughter, who's the oldest, she's the uh, board game organizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some, yeah, look, like we're, yeah, it is what it is. But hopefully everybody's doing what they're supposed to so that we're not doing this for too much longer. Right. right. Absolutely. Now we've just broke down uh, game one. 
World Series. We you have Mets and Yankees fans on this podcast, so lots of love coming your way. But one thing we were arguing over, and I, you could probably only speak from your perspective, but was there more pressure going into this game on the Mets or the Yankees going into this series? Yankees. Really? I, I, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think the way our trajectory was going uh, as the Mets, and I was traded prior to uh, the 98 season, uh, Piazza comes in in May, a couple months later, or you know, two months, a couple months into the season. We barely missed the playoffs in 98. Steve Phillips and the front office and management, all that, they started putting together, you know, what looked like the nucleus of a better team. We losing game six of the LCS against Atlanta uh, yeah. in 99. So it all was kind of leading up to something pretty cool. Um, I'll be honest with you, having grown up uh, a Mets fan from New Jersey, because my dad, who grew up in Long Island, was a Mets fan, and therefore all the lighter boys, lighter family, were Mets fans. And here I was at a high school. I, uh, I get drafted by the Yankees, and three years out of high school, I'm pitching at Yankee Stadium. So I kind of had amazing. the whole uh, Pledge of Allegiance, New York fan base kind of a little confused, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you you liked one team as a kid, and then all of a sudden you're playing for the Yankees, 21 years old, and uh, Ron Guidry's in the rotation with you, and they got Don Mattingly and Willie Randolph and Pagliarulo and Winfield and all yeah. sorts of uh, – Billy Martin was my first manager. So fast forward to a lot of crazy stuff, I get a chance to play for the Mets the latter part of my career. It was the coolest thing, seven years of of awesome time, really. Yeah. The reason why I say more pressure, Salen – yeah, I, I think because of what the Yankees had already had done with winning uh, three World Series, right, leading up to that, um, not getting in 97, but, the, you know, 96, 98, mm-hmm. 99, they, I, I think they always viewed us as like, you know, the team that was, you know, the lesser team. And God, if they lost to us, they could never live it down. And I think the late George Steinbrenner absolutely made them feel that way, Joe Torre and others coaching staff players that they they felt the pressure therefore darren and brian we win game one we kick your butt that still pisses me off timo perez run the freaking ball out don't be watching it you didn't hit it todd deal hit it and we win the game instead of losing in 12 innings get out of here and we win the world series <laughs> I like your. Wouldn't attitude. it be pretty cool? Who was the crazy guy in uh, in Back to the Future with uh, Michael J. Fox? Who's the Who's the nutty guy? Christopher uh, Doc. Lloyd. Christopher Doc, Lloyd. Yeah. yeah. I would yeah. love because I always went anytime that game uh, you know 2000 World Series comes up and certainly Game One. I would love to have Doc come back in the uh, in the DeLorean, right? Wasn't it DeLorean? Right. Sure. And let's redo Let's redo that scene. Let's do the exact time. You know, lightning, all that. Hit the clock. <laughs> And have Timo Perez run it out. We win game one. Boy, I would love to see how that World Series would have changed. Because I think it was gulp. Oh, my God. Yankees would have felt it. I don't know. It's just, no. it's fun. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Right? No, you're right. And I, what is someone like, and I, I played that back and my God, and that was all, Zeal missed that home run by an inch. And I mean an inch when I say an inch. And Perez is watching. So what do you say to someone like Timo Perez? You're pretty much pitching a gem going in there, you know, big, big, big stage, as you mentioned. And it's a close game through six. And then that, that happens. What do you, what do you, do you say anything to him? Or are you like, all right, this is a rookie. He's 23 years old. I just have to keep, I have to stay focused. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, first of all, I never, I you know, dur- during any game, if somebody is 
doing that, I, I don't think it's good. It's never productive. It's going to end up, uh, you know, some kind of argument or fight unless it's directed to you um, specifically. But no, listen, uh, you know, that's why you got a manager and a coaches and all that other stuff. And everybody's watching. He didn't, you know, he didn't mean to right. Cadillac or, or not, you know, not pay attention as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, now, nah, look, yeah. Lead off the inning single and then boom, <laughs> what amounts to be a double from Zeal. They throw him out at home plate. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sucked, but oh well. <laughs> what do you, what do you remember that we couldn't see from the replay about that? Like, this is, I'm trying to think, like, how does this, you pitched game seven of the 97 series. How does this stack up intensity wise? You brought up growing up and, you know, your dad grew up in Long Island. By the way, we're not going to gloss over that. What part of Long Island was your dad in? My dad was born in New York City. There's a hospital under uh, the 59th Street Bridge and then um, moved out to, uh, uh, East Islip. Was that like 15 minutes from where we are? Yeah. Yeah. Real close. Yeah. yeah. So that's where he lived. Uh, but then my, uh, you know, I was born down in ocean County in Tom's river. So my father, I'm the youngest of seven. Uh, so I guess about halfway through the crew, my dad moved out of long Island and then moved down to ocean County, um, New Jersey gotcha. there. And you know, the rest is history. So, and that, that Tom's river, that little league team, was that awesome back then? Even like when you were growing up? Here, so this is the, all right, here, Sal, this is the deal. So Todd, Todd Frazier will, 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 you know, mess with me about like Tom's river claiming Tom's river. I grew up in a little town called Pine beach, which is South of Tom's river on Tom's river. And I went to a rival high school. If mm-hmm. I told you Pine beach, you wouldn't know where the hell that is. So when I say Tom's river, there's gotcha. kind of, you know, that's kind of the, you know, that's where the mall is in the whole county. So that's tell you how, like, how remote Ocean County is, right? Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm from a town nearby. But, yeah, no, they have, a, they, have a, they have a huge Little League presence down there. And unlike where you guys grew up, they're, they're, uh, lacrosse hasn't infiltrated down there. You know, I'm up, I'm, up, right. uh, I'm up closer to the city, so my town is, like, is uh, lacrosse central uh, here in Summit, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So There you go. So more more butterflies. Game seven this is probably a stupid question. Game seven ninety seven or game one two thousand. All right, so I'm going to say definitely game seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're starting a series, we you know we 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 beat the uh, Cardinals in five, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, it, it's lined up. I I get game one against Andy, but game seven, man. I mean, we you know when I go back to that ninety seven series, our, our, the best pitcher we had was Kevin Brown. He pitched game six. Mm-hmm. Um, was outpitched by Chad OJ, who was the Indians pitcher. And then a game seven, you know, it's, that's it, right? It's the proverbial, you're in the backyard, you're dreaming about a game seven and you know, you do the play by play. So I knew if I didn't nail game seven or at least nail the start, um, probably we're going to lose. And in game one, you know, you know, you got a little flexibility now game five, although I wasn't nervous, you know, us being down three, one, but I just, listen, the whole thing about the, the subway series, a true subway series, it hadn't happened in what, 47 years since the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Dodgers and the Yankees played. Right? right. So I loved it. And I was older and I was more mature and mentally I was in a good place with understanding my job and what I needed to do and all that stuff. I really, really just soaked it all in. I did. And, um, unfortunately, you know, if you look at all the games, I mean, damn, I, I think the difference in all the games it was it was one run for the for the entire series. You you look at like uh, all right so the Yankees won 4 to 1. It was not nearly as lopsided like every game was close, you know. 
leading up to them. Obviously, even even down six nothing in game two, storm back to six five with the whole Piazza uh, Clemens thing throwing the bat, and then they win game three at home. Game four is close, and game five is even go. The uh, Yanks scored two in the ninth, right? I mean, that was you 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 pitched your heart out there. I mean, you I think you had like a two seven ERA in the World Series, but yeah, just they, they didn't really hit for you, right? What you just set up was perfect, right? Like, you know, we lose in 12, 4-3. We're winning going in the ninth, and, and, you know, we lose the first game. Yeah, Yeah, we're getting thumped. Roger Clemens pitched great, the whole whole Mike Piazza bat thing. Um, Um, But we come back. It's a one-run difference. Then we beat him 4-2 with, uh, what was that, Bobby Jones' game? Or Rick Reed. Rick Reed. Rick Reed was the win, yeah. Yeah, and then we go 3-2, lost it. You know, so it was all so close, you know? I mean, it was one of those nail-biting kind of – it could have gone either way. Yeah. what? Who did you fear most in that Yankee lineup? I mean, you might say justice, but did the lefty-lefty matchup, did you have any promise there? You know, I, I faced justice when he was with the Indians, um, and uh, I had some good at-bats. This is the whole irony with the way I pitched. Um there was a method to my madness. I did show my emotion on my sleeves often, but left-handers that had the ability to stay on the baseball, kind of eliminate the inner half and go the other way, often would give me more trouble than right-handers because of my, I threw a four-seamer, I threw a cutter, and I backdoor curveball. And basically, that's what I did in a very occasional change. So mm-hmm. I jammed a lot of righties. And I know Justice got got a big hit in that game. Uh, the left center, I left one up, and he just stayed with it. Yeah. But uh, I I, I got to give props to Jeter. His career numbers against mm. me were good. I, I I didn't have that down and in bite. He wouldn't swing at it. My my flatter cutter that I would jam a lot of guys because of the way Derek went inside out and pushed the ball to right center. Mm. You know, he got a lot of singles over there, so he was he was kind of a pain. Um, Bernie, I always thought I liked face. I thought facing Bernie as a right-hander was better than him lefty. You know, there was a lot of lefties in the lineup that, that Joe had to deal. You know, obviously Tino was an everyday guy, Jorge, you know, being switched and then Paulie O'Neill. So, you know, there was, if you, if, if as a left-hander, you had your, your pitches, the ability to throw inside, it opened up the outside part of the plate. They had a tough time hitting a good left-handed pitcher. So the, uh, you spoke about that DJ ropes one. They, they take a two nothing lead. Uh, Bubba Trammell, I think, pinch hits for Bordick in the top of the inning. There ties it. Uh, you're struggling in the sixth, but you get at Dave Wallace comes to the mound. What do you What do you tell him? Is that Is that just for show, or was he considering actually talking to the skipper, going back to Valentine, saying uh, you've had enough? Um, I don't think so. I, I think because of how, how well I pitched down the stretch and then, um, in the San Francisco game and then also in St. Louis, mm-hmm. I think it was probably a bit premature, especially when in the American league park, you're not taking out a, a pitcher to, to right. hit or, or a mm-hmm. pinch hitter. So, and I think if I remember, you know, the, um, the Derek Jeter walk was kind of a quasi, you know, <laughs> watch him because there was a single about this guy, you know, and then Knobloch, a uh, successful bunt runner at second base. And my feeling was if I walk Derek, so what? I got justice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm good there. Then he hits the double. Um, you got the runner at second. So then, then, then Bobby set up a double play. Cause I got the lead. Uh, I got the, uh, the, the sack bunt with Knobloch. He sets up the double play with walk and Bernie. 
Right. And then I get a ground out uh, fly out with Tino and, and Jorge. So, yeah, no, I, I don't think he was maybe. I don't know. You know, I, I didn't. <laughs> Maybe he had like double barrel going. I don't even know. I don't think that's that. <laughs> I, uh, it's amazing how you remember everything. It's like I had to go back and watch like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember. Do you remember like how important does a game have to be for you to remember like a, a rundown like that? Oh, yeah. No. You know what? It's funny you ask that question because when, when I'm around guys that I, you know, I used to, you know, my teammates, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we're mixing up and, you know, hanging out, and, you know, having a good time. You know, I'll, you'll hear somebody click into a game that, not all the games. I'll be honest with you. Not at all. But I mean, uh, you know, look, game one of a World Series, it didn't do that too many times. As a matter of fact, it was right. the only time I ever did it. So, you know, and then truthfully, the Yes Network, they can't wear it out enough, right? The Yes Network's never lost on, on their uh, their replay games. You know that, yeah. right? They're like a thousand and <laughs> I don't know how they do it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So the come on, man. How do you not show? I mean, you talk about a great game. How the heck do you not show the uh, the, the 2001 game with uh, when Louis Gonzalez? I know they of lost. But that was a hell of a game. Absolutely. Uh, as a Met fan, it was the only time I rooted for the Yankees with the 9/11 and everything. And then, of, of course, they uh, like a a parachute single to center, and it's over. It's crazy to end it that way. You know, it sparks the memory and. Um, I definitely rehashed both of those games over the years. Yeah. I still think in game five, I struck out Posada after I struck out Tino and Paul Lee to start the ninth. And then uh, Posada on the three, two cutter, the umpire called it a ball. I'm still pissed off about that one. <laughs> Brother Bry has a question for you uh, regarding that. I think, right, Bry? What- yeah. It's funny that you bring that up because I was going to say it probably was a strike, but if you had one at bat to take that, that you could go back and take back in your career, was it that Posada at bat where you walked him? Uh, wow. That's a great question. Never been asked that. <sighs> if I had won it back, I, oh, no, I, I got to go. I got to go with, uh, with the double in that inning with justice with one out. Really? Yeah. Because that, look, you know, they, they score, they score there. It would still be uh zip zip. Uh, you know, that was in the sixth. We uh-huh. get three in the seventh to win, to be up by six by a Y one, let's just, let's just assume I throw a goose egg in the six. We score three in the seventh. Right. Now we're talking a different ball game when Armando comes in and whatever, uh, you know, how it plays out. Um, wow. That's a great question. Cause there's a couple of them. I gave up a home run to, uh, to Tommy and, uh, in the world series in 97, but to stay on the Yankee Mets series, definitely the justice double left center, um, could have altered the entire World Series because I really do believe this, guys. And I know it's I know it's crystal ball stuff, but yeah. I, I really think we win Game One. The, the just everything would have tightened up even more. And you know the Yankees they were a great team, but they didn't have a great year that year. They won eighty seven yeah. games, we won ninety four. So you know they kind of sputtered. We knew they had great players. They've been there, done that. So you know there's always that that uh, lore and um, pedigree, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they didn't win a hundred games, you know? Right. We don't mean to put you on the spot. And in, in fact, we just like to dwell on the negative. So what are the top five at bats you would like to have? Back? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> no, but so I'll tell you what, just let's stay on this, this world okay. series. But the other one is a hundred percent the, in game five, the stinking sixth inning, Derek Jeter on a two Oh, I throw a stinking change up. 
<laughs> I give up the two solo jacks. Bernie was struggling. He gets the solo oh, yeah. jack in the second. We scored two in the second. Yeah. And then I go goose egg, goose egg, goose egg to the sixth inning. And then I, oh, you know what? That's way worse than the Posada uh, <laughs> uh, walk. The brocious little to left and then the 15 hopper up the middle from Louis Soho. That one, as you know, he couldn't have blackened anybody's eye uh, on that one. But in the sixth, how stupid am I? And Sal, you've seen enough of my games. I yeah. go 2-0 count against Derek after I get a uh, first out, uh, first, uh, one out in the inning. Right. And Derek Jeter, who's been a pain in the neck for me, um, I throw a changeup. I throw like one changeups every 10 starts. I throw a stinking changeup in a 2 nothing game, uh, in uh, uh, a 2-to-1 game in yeah. game five. That would, that would totally me off. <laughs> you know what though? I, I I hate that you're getting down on yourself and this is not what we meant, but but if Benitez closes out with one out, one two count to O'Neill, one out, nobody on in the ninth, it's a whole different story. And it's the Mets and then they were like, you know, cursed years later with Familia in game one. They blew three saves against the Royals. The game one is so I know it sounds stupid to say game one is so important, but it freaking is. But you know why? You know why it was very important for us. Getting back to your first question, who had more pressure? Yeah. I, I do believe, as much as the Yankees were the Yankees and they won a boatload, and they were, they were, you know, that was a dynasty era and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. They, there was a there was a weird ornery thing about them. They sputtered through the the end of the season. Yes, they did get to the World Series. I'm not I'm not uh, diminishing that, but right. uh, it 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 didn't feel. It just didn't feel right, uh, you know, f- as far as the dominant. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, game one, you know, would have made us feel like, hey, we're not the little brother on the block. We just right. beat you. We're up one nothing. Okay, we split at Yankee Stadium. Then we got three at Shea. You know, it just feels a lot. It, it feels a lot happier. It does. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say, as a Met fan, even uh, 1986, that's my favorite team in, in sports, the 86 Mets team. But. Even then, we did the Yankees a favor by beating the Red Sox. They hate the Red Sox. So it's like little brother wins very, very short period of time. And then, uh, obviously, Yankees take three out of four years here. This would have been nice. As you mentioned, the Yankees not superior in the regular season to the Mets. In fact, I think they dropped like 14 of the last 17 or something, right, to end the season. So this was this was going to be the year. That's the only reason I think it's the Mets. But, uh, oh, man, uh, if we just could have. Let me ask you this. I uh, yeah. Let me ask you. God, we're reminiscing. Why, why are we rehashing this? Why we're getting right. all pissed off. You're right, exactly. Well, these are terrible times. Why do we have to make, make uh, everything negative? But no, the Yankee fans on the line are liking this. But let me ask you this. <laughs> if we could get you magically, if we can get you 60 more wins, do you come in the Hall of Fame as a Met or a Yankee? And don't say a Marlin. Please, don't say Marlin. No, uh, based on my career, there's no, there's not even it's not even a question. My, first of all, I I thoroughly enjoyed the seven years. I was generally healthy. I was nicked up a little bit with some knee stuff and some crap, but yeah. uh, without a doubt, you know, that was the one thing why I wanted to finish my career there in '05, and I ended up signing with the Marlins, and then they traded me to the Yankees, which was kind of cool. Put a bow on my career. I didn't right. do much of anything for the Yankees other than I was this heralded prospect that got traded away very young. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I thought it was kind of cool. It brought me back to where it all started, but without a doubt. And, and what, what I really wanted growing up as a Mets fan, I needed five more wins to be behind Seaver, Kuzman and Gooden 
and I would have been right. fourth with the most wins at a hundred. I got I got ninety five as a Met. I think it's Sid Fernandez and and Darling uh, is wedged in there. Oh. Um, nothing against Sid and Ronnie, but like you know, to be behind uh, Doc Kuzman and Seaver, like like I really wanted that, but. Eh. By the way, it, 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 it's not over. I think you can come back and fill in for us in the garden, get your five wins in 2020, God willing, there's, there's a season. Boy, that would, be, that would be great. That's doable. I'd have, to uh, put a, I'd have to put a screen in front of me. <laughs> that's fine. However we have to do Our it. Our heaters aren't going to cut it. <laughs> uh, Darren, the parlay kid here, has been following your, your son's career. This is, this is pretty great what's going on, right? You have a question there? Yeah, how are you? It's good. Uh, good. Great how to talk you? to you. I, I actually could talk uh, baseball all day to you. This is fantastic. Love it. Uh, I got so I got about ten questions I can ask Al. <laughs> all right, you got, you got like an hour, another hour. <laughs> uh, yes. So I'll get into your son. Congratulations! What a great start to the year he had. Uh, unfortunately, uh, had to come to an end early. Um, I guess he's playing in the Cape Cod League. I read uh, this summer. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. It uh, big thrill. Watching my son, which was a part, some of the impetus behind uh, no longer doing games uh, for the Yes Network a couple of years ago. Wanted to yes. try to see as many high school games as I yep. could here in New Jersey. And then uh, he committed to Vanderbilt. And, yeah, it was very disappointing for him and everybody else involved, uh, you know, with, you know, what's what's going on. Sure. What a uh, what a start he had. I, I think. uh uh, he was dominating, I think, his first few games. And now I had a real a question about that, like growing up watching him pitch. I read that in 1984. So I don't know if you read this about Al. Yeah. In 1984, Al pitched a 13-inning, 32-strikeout game in high school. Uh, I and saw my that. question I, is, Al, I, th- th- yeah. there's, there's no way you're letting your son do right. that in high school, right? At, in this day and age, there's no way that happens, correct? No, you're right. You're right. Listen, Darren, the stuff that, that I did, I don't know how old you guys are, but you know, it is, it's way more, um, very specific. It's a lot more, um, regimented, the routine and process and the workouts and trainers and, and strength coaches and hit, hitting lessons, you know, like it's Uber, Uber level stuff. Yeah, I played. I had two older brothers that were already in pro ball um, playing for the Orioles. And, you know, I, I, I played football. I played basketball and I played baseball. I played football my senior year in high school, um, you know, knowing that I was a high uh, you know, prospect, all that. So, yeah, no, 13 innings. My guess is, Darren, I had to throw over 200 pitches. It was a crazy game. Zero, zero tie. We played Wall Township. Uh, the guy yeah. on the mound for the for the uh, for for that high school team, John Spinapon, hell of a football player too. I think he was all state. Um, yeah, zero zero. I struck out thirty two. He struck out eighteen. Crazy, but no, no, that would really, really. Uh, well, that just wouldn't happen today. Yeah, that would never happen yeah. anywhere. But at the same yeah. time, like, I, thank God. What we, by the way. What, exactly, but at the same time, what about all these pitching injuries and all these baseball injuries? What's the difference? I know there was injuries when you played. You suffered some injuries yourself. But what is the main difference now? What we're seeing these guys, is it overweight training uh, in some cases, do you think? All right, so I I don't think it's an easy, definable answer. But I will just give you this one because I know that this attributes to many. When I pitched, Darren, and 
often for all of my brethren prior to radar guns everywhere and track man data and rap soto and high speed video and driveline and velocity camps and all this other stuff. I didn't know any of that crap. I, I had my, my football coach was my, my strength coach. I worked out at the high school. I ran, I did a lot of running. I did, yep, yep. Uh, you know, simple exercises. I couldn't tell you how hard I was throwing. I was considered, I was a second pick by the Yankees. So I was probably an upper eighties, low nineties guy. My son, his senior year, uh, he touched 96 miles an hour, you know, and he, you know, he throws, he throws really hard and these guys train better. They, they have, they just have a better process. They have a better routine. They're, they're stronger. And as a result, the, the UCL, the only collateral ligament on a cadaver. So granted it doesn't have muscles around. It's not a live thing. They test this thing and they bend it to where it snaps. And they base it on these Newton meters, 75 Newton meters. It'll snap a UCL. You know, every pitch that's thrown over 90 plus miles an hour, they measure this stuff now. And you're the UCL stretches over 75 Newton meters. So not to get super technical, but the dudes are throwing too hard. (laughs) Too fast, too soon. There's no yep. way a freaking 15 or 16-year-old should be throwing over 90, 90, you know, 90, whatever. Some of these guys sure. are throwing 95 miles an hour. That is a freaking train going down a track that's not going to end good. Wow. I love that answer. That's Thank a lot, lot of medical stuff. We have our very own Dr. Sanjay Gumta here uh, in Al Lida. <laughs> this is great. I dropped the Newton meters on you. <laughs> that's right. Al, back to your son, Jack. Uh, but Well, my son, Jack, yesterday, I don't know how this compares to five innings of no-hit ball in his debut at Vanderbilt, but my son, Jack, cut his hair yesterday, and it looks uh, it looks glorious. Let me tell you. But, wow. Uh, no. Wait, time out. He, couldn't, he cut it for himself, or did you cut it? No, he cut it for himself. But I, I think you're winning in the Jack, the Sun Jack department here. Let me ask you though, what what do they know yet about eligibility? How that works? He doesn't lose the year, right? No, he doesn't lose the year. So my understanding, the the seniors that were seniors this year, if they want to come back and play his fifth year, mm-hmm. their whatever their scholarship was is not going to apply against eleven point seven, which is a which is an absolute joke that the NCAA only allows 11.7 scholarships for baseball team of a roster of conference roster 25, and they go up to 34 non-roster, um, whatever. I won't, I won't, I won't talk. I won't go there, but um, so the seniors, it doesn't apply against the 11.7 and every kid uh, has another year of eligibility. So whether they use it or not, you know, for uh, rising juniors or juniors this year, that could be, Juniors again, you know, we'll see. I think it's going to be a complete mess in, in another year or two because there's going to be a backlog of a lot of kids yeah. that, you know, incoming freshmen next year. And then juniors this year that in high school that have already committed to these schools, it, it's going to be a big log jam. I don't know what the heck they're going to do. Oh, man. Uh, Darren, you got another, you have uh, something else for Al? Yeah, if I want to get back to the game real quick. Um, so, Al, getting back to that game one. Uh, Sal's you really want to depress me, don't you, Dan? <laughs> no doubt. By the way, Boomer Esiason's from East Islip. You guys could have grown up and been uh, best of friends. Ah. Getting back to that game one, how – and Sal's a big Mike Piazza fan, but how pleased were you that he was not catching in game one? You, you were probably thrilled, right? You were thrilled about that? No, come on, big dog. Uh, so my uh, my best years. You don't have to answer that, Al. You don't. 
<laughs> yeah, no. Listen, but uh, you know what? I didn't know this until I, you know, when he was uh, elected to the Hall of Fame. I I pitched the most innings and I had the most starts uh, to Mike Piazza as, oh, wow. as a catcher. Wow. You know, no other pitcher threw more innings, more starts uh, than than yours truly. So that's pretty cool, right? You know, Mike's a hell yeah. of a player. He's in the Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, I had a lot of success with him. So, yeah, they had Todd Zeal behind the plate. I like Todd. He's hell, you know, he's a great backup catcher, great compliment, cared a lot, super high energy. Um, well, you had, you, had, you had Pratt. It was Pratt, right? Like, Pratt almost took himself out of the game. Yeah, he, he busted a, a foul ball off his ankle. He got hit twice in the game. Like, he, it looked like he wasn't long for catching in that game. It was weird. I know, I know. Uh, well, Andy with the cutter going down and into the right, he's like, that's he's, right. Absolutely. He's good for three or four of those a game. Yeah. Let me ask you real quick. I'm sorry. Thank you for uh, staying on. This has been great. Um, they're saying baseball in Arizona. Is this a realistic thing? They quarantine the, the, the entire league and, and stick them in Arizona. And the, this could, can you see this happening? I don't know. Honestly, you guys, I think there's a lot of board columnists and, and yeah. people poking around trying to find stuff. I think there's a lot of conversations in a lot of different circles, and they're just trying to brainstorm as to, you know, how do they make this work? Mm -hmm. So uh, truthfully, for me, I don't even I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I'm just I'm hoping we get through these next couple of weeks and um, yeah. things start to open up and, you know, everybody starts having a different tune. Yeah. But, uh, I would imagine like all the other sports leagues that, you know, they're all brainstorming as to, you know, how, how you proceed, right? The worst case scenario, a decent scenario and the best scenario. Right? I think that's how I would do it. You know what I was thinking? They're talking about all these sports coming back. If they come back without fans, I think that hurts baseball the most. And especially looking back at this game, when you get to the playoffs, just the, just the, it, it's so intense and the cutaways to the right, crowd. But here, let me ask you this. But Go let ahead. me ask you this. Let me ask yeah. you this. It, so is it better to have flip on the game tonight and, uh, I, you know, watch your Mets or your Yankees and uh, not know that there was 8,000 people, three people or 50,000 people, but you're watching your boys or wait until, you know, wait till for, I don't know, whenever, wait till whenever to watch to watch a baseball game i i think the answer is i i wanted baseball back immediately i want everything back i think that's my answer because i played let yeah. me tell you something i played in a lot of game a lot of stadiums over the years yeah where if if the tv wasn't zoomed in close enough on the umpire <laughs> and the catcher right they could have counted every single part you know you go down to a marlin game now i think you could count to every every fan in the stands I remember right. the old municipal stadium before Jacobs Field in Cleveland. We used to do that. We would count the people in the stands on a Wednesday night. Or at <laughs> old Milwaukee County Stadium, we would start from left field to right field and figure out if we can actually count every fan. So yeah. the whole thing about like not having fans in the stands, listen, it's not ideal. I don't know where they're going to go with it, but if it means that you can pop on a Yankee game tonight and watch Garrett Cole or, or, or watch DeGrom on the Mets, like, pff, right. give it to me, man. You're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. Let me ask you this real quick. You were appointed a member of the Jersey Sports Gaming and Entertainment Committee. How great, what are we doing with, with gambling and baseball uh, if it comes back? Now that we have the nets up, I'm not as worried about fans when they're allowed to congregate again, getting hit with balls. Why not? Why don't we have a mechanism in each seat? Well, you could bet on every pitch. I could bet if if Al is going to throw a cutter or or a, or a you know a, a slider or anything. 
Isn't that fun? Yeah. Can we look forward well, to listen, that? I, the reason why you can't do it yet, because not every state has legal gambling. That's right, the problem. I know. I know, right. yeah. So listen, by yeah. the way, by the way, this is a bunch of garbage, and I got railroaded for all of the gamblers out there that, that used my soundbite when Major League Baseball, uh, they asked me as a guy who played 19 years for the potential pitfalls and risks and things that potentially could be compromised if you don't allow baseball to uh, have an understanding of where these bets are going. So that was so I helped out right. baseball by going over to Trenton and Albany and Hartford uh, locally because they were putting together their legislation. Well, they, the, but the New Jersey got ahead of it. They got they passed it. So there's legal sports betting right in New Jersey. But so one of my sound bites, I was just using hypothetical and jerks out there in the Twitter world like, oh, Larry's an idiot. You can't make a fifty thousand dollar bet on a coin toss or a coin toss. Like I, I, I know that, and it wasn't the point. The point was is to try to have the leagues have some input and an understanding and a collaboration. Because when all of the states have legislation on this, if you own a team, you own the Yankees and the Mets. You don't you kind of want to know and have a, a vibe as to what the what the bets are and how it's going and how it's working out. Whatever, I won't I won't go down there. But did you ask that question, saying. Sal? <laughs> yeah, no, I no, I just want to know. I, I'm I'm just excited. Well, I know you were you know, appointed to the committee, and it's hey, forget that. about forget about forget about dollar amounts, Sal. Forget about yeah. dollar amounts. But I yeah. I agree with you because it could be as innocent as you sit there, you got an app in your hand, in a mm -hmm. app, you know, on your phone, and right. you can. You could bet over under on DeGrom strikeouts, right? It's right. 10. And mm -hmm. if you win, you get 15% off on a Coke or a hot dog. Or if you accumulate enough points, you can get a hat, you can get a jersey, you can get a, you know, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. it becomes interactive. I, I think there's something there. Yeah, I do. Anything that and keeps the fans interested, be, right? It doesn't have to be money. Yes, it does. It has to be money. No, no, you're right. No, it doesn't have to be money. Yeah, no, it could be prizes and everything. Uh, speaking of money, you go out there, you raise a lot of it. You're a, a, a charitable guy. You won the Roberto Clemente Award in 2000. I think you accepted the award before game two. Is that right? Of this very series we're talking about, right? But yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, in general, anything you want to plug? Any charities you're, uh, you're backing that uh, you know need special consideration in this weird time? You know, uh, nothing specifically. What 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 I've done with my wife and and the Chet Foundation, and it was obviously uh, more organized with respect to people involved when I was playing, is th the idea that when you can touch a lot of charities, maybe smaller organizations, and there's a ton of them out there with respect to 501c3s, and you make a minimal contribution. I say minimal, whatever. It's not huge dollars that you can help a lot of causes. And the reality is, guys, and I know you know this, is that there's a lot of good people out there doing an awful lot of good things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, through Lighters Landing for years, like, you know, we make multiple contributions to a lot of different places. And um, I like it to be sticky. Now that my kids are older, I want I get them involved and like to really just feel as opposed to just writing a check and handing it over, like to get involved right. uh, with respect to contribution. There you go. Al Leiter. What a, wow. This has been a joy. I know uh, you made everyone's day and week here on this podcast. I was told uh, John Blundell is making, I want to pr plug this anyway, MLB network. They're showing some of the all time great games. Uh, catch them. I, you know what? Uh, 
I think the parlor kid, brother Brian, I we all watched this week in baseball was on. Uh, well, I'll just get yeah. anything baseball. How how great was that, Mel Allen, and this week in baseball? We watched like a a marathon this weekend. So good. I'm glad you brought it up because obviously we don't have live games, but and I'm not just saying this because I I work over at MLB Network and do some mm-hmm. shows periodically, but. This past week, it kind of went through my sweet spot because they're doing like year by year. Tonight, they got the 84 on, uh, you know, with the World Series of San Diego and and Detroit. But a couple days ago, they went through the whole like 76, 77, 78, 79, 80. And it was like, ah, like, you know, again, I grew up a Mets fan. But when the Yankees were playing Dodgers, like I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, I, I didn't have that whole. Uh, fraudulent thing, as Michael K says, he, you know, playfully he calls me a fraud because I, I, I like, I like players, and I think Jerry Seinfeld has it right. You, you, we, we fell in love with logos, marks, and colors, and uniforms and laundry. Yep. Yeah. And I saw Wade Boggs on on the horse in '96, the New York City cop, and he's and he's doing the number one thing. And a couple of years ago, every Yankee fan hated his guts, and now they love him. And then mm-hmm. here comes Roger Clemens, who they all hated when he was with the Red Sox. And yeah. now they love them. You know, like what, you know, what do you love? What, what is it? Is it the players, the person, or is it the uniform? Yeah, you're right. And then, by the way, that's my sweet spot too. And I think Darren's too, like, right. That's 77, 80. It's funny. We go over the lineups of all the world series teams from those years and we could do it like one through nine right there. Starting lineup. I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe baseball cards were bigger or something. I, I, I don't know why. There was uh, more interest. Maybe it's just me. Maybe kids are still doing it. But uh, no, a- you know why there's more interest, and I'll tell you why. Because there wasn't friggin' 800 channels on our TV. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. No, no, you, you, you. The, the NBA, are you kidding? Game of the week, or you did the baseball bunch with Johnny Bench? Yeah. Then you had yep. uh, this week in baseball. You know, with Mel Allen. Like, if there was only some select times. Now you're yep. inundated with so much. You don't know where the heck to turn it on. That was the whole NBC game of the week. I was like, who's on? Like, that was your chance to see, like, Oakland play whoever. Watching those guys, Catfish Hunter and Ron Gidry, got a chance to play with Bobby Welch. I had no idea Bobby Welch was that good when he was a young player. Yeah. It was so good. Don and then you, and then that that Pirates team, a 70, it just weird things like the Stargell giving a star to the, the MVP, what he considered the MVP of a game. Like, you just don't see that anymore. That's crazy. You put the star on the hat. Like, well, like, I mean, and the, and, the, and, the, and the Pirates beating the Orioles, the Orioles were, you know, whatever the favorite there yeah it just brought me back and even the broadcast right with uh joe garagiola oh yeah tony kubek yeah oh god kurt gowdy yeah yeah oh boy a lot of fun you could catch all these games replays mlb network it'll be like you're watching it for the first time or you could see al on youtube you know not his fault game one uh mets yankees i'm just happy to hear that you would go into the hall as a met that's that's all that's all that matters to me al thank you uh so much for coming on i appreciate it Yeah, my pleasure, man. It was good to uh, reminisce. All right, buddy. Bye. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. For the Parlay Kid, Brother Bry, heel producer Jim Cunningham, and Al Leiter. He was great. I'm Sal, saying so long, stay inside, stay safe, and happy handicapping. Nah, nah, nah.